0: Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love. Are you doing acrobatics? Stretching my legs (laughs) while I did that. (laughs) We are up to episode forty-six. Getting close to fifty. And who do we have, Grace? We have Chelsea Kravitz,
1: who I mean is just a gem nancy pappas our illustrator actually befriended her on instagram i
0: think that's where they met i don't know actually the true backstory no, maybe w- they connected at they an connected event at, yeah. oh
1: yeah that's right um and we're just so blessed that she brought her in and i mean what do we say about her episode other i just than say listen, listen and enjoy it is so fantastic it is i mean it's a story that we don't we don't hear a lot about it in society. And she explains that you don't hear a lot about it in society, but the life perspective of a birth mother. Yeah. And
0: how special that is. I know. Grace is already tearing up. Oh, Grace yeah. sat next to me during the I recording cried. and it was crying most of the time. I'll cry probably through the whole. Yeah. Edit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and just a reminder to uh, review the podcast on iTunes, to subscribe, subscribe <laughs> and to share it around. It means the world to us. Yeah. And as always, Nancy, a special big thank you for um, linking us with Chelsea, as well as everything else you do, and Jimmy for doing um, the editing. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bye, guys. Love it.
1: I don't care if you
0: stay loving it anyway um, so I was so we we met what like a couple of weeks ago and yeah. had a cup of tea and I've been thinking about um I you know what and we're going to go on a whole journey together obviously but I did kind of want to start like you in high school, and what was that picture like? What was the relationship with your parents? What was yeah? What when you think back of high school, like, what? I was a hot mess. Okay, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was a disaster of a teenager. Um, my parents split up when I was really young, and it was a really difficult family situation. So I dealt with it by drinking and smoking pot. And then doing other drugs.
0: How young are we? T- like, uh, I was 12
2: the first time I started drinking and smoking cigarettes. And by the time I was 14, I was smoking pot. And by the time I was 15, I had tried cocaine. And like, most of my friends didn't know anything about this. My family absolutely didn't know. I was good at hiding it. And there were certain people that I would drink and do drugs with and then other ones that I knew weren't going to be okay with it so I hid it from them
0: so was it sort of like a, a, a not like a secret world but was it this thing that was just yours it hidden was... away cuz like when you're saying like my your friends didn't even know about it and
2: well I knew I knew it was wrong and I knew they wouldn't approve and I was still the high school student who was like in all the AP classes and playing sports, and my parents always wanted me to, you know, go to not just college, but Harvard, and then become a lawyer, and I never wanted any of that, so I had to play the part, but as I got older, I just got more and more out of control, and I would fight with my mom, and my stepdad, and my dad, and my sister, and I was just... A disaster.
0: <laughs> it's interesting how you um you sort of kept the kept the facade going. Is it would you say facade? Like that that you were sort of that. But at school you you were kind of still the academic.
2: Yeah, I mean, there was only so much I was going to get away with only because without like, doing
0: that. Only because there's like the stereotypes of high school, right? Where yeah. you're there's you could sort of go like goth route, and it was so visual. Or, like, there was, like, the crew that smoked a lot of weed and they sort of dressed like it. And now I'm just playing back clueless to us. But yeah. it's interesting how you're – there's there's sort of – it seems like there were
2: – I feel like I just didn't fit into any group in high school. Like, I, I moved to schools at the beginning of ninth grade, which sucked because I was going into this new school where – The town I had been living in, even though it was close by, was completely different. I didn't get along with most of the people that were in my new school, and I never really felt like I found a place there, which I think probably just made me more out of control as a teenager, because I didn't feel like I had a place in my family, and I didn't feel like I had a place in school. And I had some friends that were really, you know, close, but I felt really isolated. I felt really lonely. And that was, again, why I just turned to drinking and using drugs and, you know, crash course my life <laughs> to the point where when I was 19, I went to rehab and got sober, which is a really young age to be like, oh, wow, I've really messed everything up.
0: What was... um. <laughs> What kind of... What was the lead up to the point of going going to rehab? Like, were you having... Were you able to be like, this is gay? Were you, was it an internal thing that you sort of were able no, to say? No. It
2: was to appease everyone else in my life who saw that I was out of control. I went into rehab thinking that uh, I was not like these people. I was not a crackhead. And I was better than them. And within like a week I was like oh fuck I'm just like every single person here I'm not better than anyone else here and we've all done different things and had different experiences but we're all struggling in the same way and it was interesting because
0: thank god you realize that in a week I mean that feels actually quite quick to to but that's and I
2: think that's what's like the programs tries to
0: set that up right for you.
2: They do. And like, there's great counselors. There's AA and NA meetings. When you're in rehab, they have people come in and conduct meetings and you have like private counselors, you have group meetings, you have all of these different things, but it was actually just spending time and getting to know all of these people that were in there with me, Mm. and realizing how amazing they all were, brilliant, talented, funny, amazing human beings, and hearing them talk about where they had been two weeks before, two years before, how many times they have been in and out of rehab, and everything else, where I was like, oh my God, these people are so great, and they're Mm. struggling, and a lot of the things that they were saying that they'd experienced, I was like, okay. I've had very similar experiences on one level or another. So, it, it, I mean, it was pretty fast for me to realize it, but it was more so the people that I met than the counselors and the meetings and
0: the structure
2: of the
0: rehab itself. Yeah. Oh, because you, you mentioned as well that you were really lonely. Yeah, and was that a place where that was also wasn't as big of a...
2: That was probably one of the first times I felt a little bit more connected to people and a little less fucked up. Um, Because I always just thought there was something wrong with me compared to everyone else. (sighs) So that was the first time that I was like, all right, it's not just me. (laughs) Like... I'm not the only one who's having a hard time, who is out of control, whatever. Um, but it, it was also a really good experience because the the counselors are great. So I had a counselor who asked me, you know, why do you drink? And I said, Well, my mom, da da. da, da, da. And she was like, So your mom pours vodka down your throat? I was like, mm, well, no. So why? I was like, well, my dad, da 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 She's like, so your dad pours vodka down your throat or puts a joint in your mouth? I was like, no, now that you mention it. I was like, but my sister, and I went on and on, and she was like, so your sister is the one who put coke up your nose? I was like, no, no. And I sat there for a couple minutes, and I was like, all right, so I'm here because of me. And she was like, yeah, now you're getting it. (laughs) And the same counselor gave me like a list of affirmations and was like, I want you to say these things to yourself in the mirror three times a day. And I told her it was stupid and ridiculous and I wasn't going to do it. She said, just try it for three days and then we'll talk about it again. And it works really well and it feels really foolish when you're doing it but it also makes you feel a lot better about yourself. Do you remember them? It was just simple things like I'm worthy. I'm funny. I'm smart. It was just things we had come up with, like sitting there and talking. Oh, they were customized to you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, And it worked without me realizing it was working. I did it because I was supposed to and I would like roll my eyes and feel ridiculous while I was doing it because we had a shared bathroom. It's not like I had my own bathroom with my own mirror. I had a bathroom that I was sharing with 28 other women. So while we're all brushing our teeth and I'm standing there saying my affirmations and they're like giggling, I'm like, great. But then like two weeks into that one day I looked in the mirror and I was standing next to like my friends that I had made I was like, I guess I'm kind of pretty. And they were like, oh, my God, that's the first nice thing I've heard you say about yourself. Mm. And I was like, fuck, these affirmations are working. <laughs> but it's great. And it, it's something that when you're struggling, you're very resistant oh, to the yeah. help and to the change. And I think for me, I was really resistant to it because it was so scary that if I tried and failed... It was because I wasn't good enough. I wasn't strong enough, rather than being like, I just don't care. I'm not gonna try, and I could do it if I wanted, I guess. But I, it's just because I'm not doing it. Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's. Yeah. If you commit, then you can actually fail, and then it's on you. But if you never try, well, hey. Yeah. Doesn't matter, does it? Exactly. So, how long was the rehab for? What was the program? What was this? It program? was a 28 day
2: program, yeah. which is like a pretty standard, standard right? yeah, program, inpatient. Um, and I actually got kicked out. Did you? Three, <laughs> three Three and a half weeks in? I almost finished the program. God, you sa- the way you're <laughs> saying this,
0: you're sounding like
2: the perfect rehab <laughs>
0: patient.
2: No, no, no. Everyone everyone breaks the rules to some extent oh, sure. um, so the rehab that i was in was a state funded rehab so they have their own rules from the state one of them being that men and women are completely separated which but like, they're
0: still on the same can they're like, still in the same buildings. building
2: But, like, the men's dormitories were the upstairs, women's were downstairs. We had meals in the same cafeteria, but we had to sit here and there. And, like, if you waved to someone of the opposite sex when you were passing each other in the hallway, you got in trouble. Like, it was real strict.
0: What was their reasoning, though, behind it? What?
2: Well, so part of AA and NA and the 12-step program is that you're not supposed to get into any sort of relationship, serious or otherwise, in early sobriety. Yeah. Because you're supposed to be focusing on yourself. So they don't want you focusing what you don't want to deal with on sex instead of dealing with your emotions and your thoughts in a healthy, productive way. Because a lot of people who are addicts, just transfer their addictions. I still do it. I don't I don't know how to moderate things. Mm. That's why I can't have alcohol and drugs anymore. Because I'm just not able to moderate. That's why I work like crazy all the time. And when I work out, I work out, you know, four hours a day, six days a week. It's like an
0: like, extreme right? Yeah.
2: I'm just a human being of extremes. <laughs> so they don't want you transferring your addiction from drugs and alcohol to sex. They take away you're not allowed to have cigarettes. You're not allowed to have caffeine, like no coffee, nothing. Oh, wow. Which like, that part feels really unfair to me. Like you're taking away literally everything.
0: We yeah. Can. Let's ease into this. But you, right. yes, you can't, right? Give me
2: my cigarettes and my coffee and boys and girls. Yeah. You know, like it's, I'll
0: get, I'll give up the other stuff. So what <laughs> happened three weeks in?
2: So of course, like everyone breaks the rules when it comes to not, talking to the opposite gender so we would like pass notes back and forth and And you're 19 i'm sorry i forgot for a second yeah you're 19 19 years old (laughs) 19 years old no drugs no alcohol no cigarettes no coffee actually the, the chef at the rehab was really nice to me and um noticed that i hated the food i was just like miserable with a lot of the situation so he would actually sneak me in cigarettes and starbucks Oh my gosh. And I would help it's him like prep jail. in the kitchen. What would you give <laughs> I would prep in the kitchen with nice. him and he would sneak me in.
0: But I bet you lo- what a good
2: I mean cuz you are a-, was, a chef. Yeah, so uh, and you know, I didn't know then but I guess <laughs> it all makes the sense. Start. That's where my career started was in a rehab kitchen <laughs> with like the worst quality produce I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like very carb heavy diets.
0: Not a well, lot of people. At least they can
2: be cops. But a lot of people were like super malnourished going in.
0: So, oh, so it was like to beef them up a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, like
2: the the food that they serve you, like it was like 4,000 calories a day.
0: Wow.
2: So, I would like pick at like the salad bar and he noticed that I was not happy. So, he would like sneak me in like food and coffee. So, I had a little, like, again, Yeah. I was breaking rules. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I'm not sneaking in drugs. It's fine. (laughs) Um, so one of the guys decided one night that we had been like passing notes back and forth with, uh, it would be a good idea to tie his bed sheets together and climb down the side of the building to come down to where our room was. (laughs) And he climbed down, but again, it's a rehab. So the, Windows are actually really high up. They're probably, like, 12 feet from the ground because they don't want people being able to go in and out. So, and he was very tall, fortunately. So he was able to, like, kind of jump up. And, like, we grabbed him and, like, pulled him in. And we were like, fuck, now what do we do? You're in our room. There's people on each floor, like, making sure everything's okay how are we going to get you back upstairs? Oh, God. So (laughs) we snuck him back upstairs and got caught in the process. And a lot of the people that I was there with and friends with were mandated there by court. A lot of people are. Some people go voluntarily. Some people are mandated. So I was like, I'll take the blame for everything because I'm not going to go to jail if I do.
0: Oh, right. Because you sort of had been opted... Well, yeah. family had helped opt in to this process yeah and were you guys just hanging out in the room is that kind of
2: he was in our room for maybe 60 seconds before we all freaked out and we're like we have to get you out of here oh, like wow. we're
0: fucked if we get caught all right so you get was that a weird process of being kicked out or that was basically you, no you i had you to just...
2: call my dad and ask him to come pick me up and i was like mm. More shame,
0: more shame. All right. Um, How are you feeling at this time leaving, though, in regards to your relationship with alcohol and drugs? and I still wanted
2: to drink and use drugs for a long time after rehab, and that's very normal. Like, that f- feeling and urge is still there for a long time. Um, but I just knew I couldn't.
0: So you stuck with it?
2: Yeah. Uh, I had didn't have any relapses. I was super lucky for that because wow. that's like really common. I um, decided I had to get the hell out of there, uh, there being Long Island, because I just knew if I stuck around, I was going to do the same things. So I went and um, visited my – I don't know if we were actually dating at the time or not – my on-again, off-again boyfriend from high school – And he went to Bard College in upstate New York. And so I went and visited him for the weekend, which turned into a couple of months that I was there just like living on a college campus that I didn't go to school at in his dorm suite with like his roommates and they would go to class and I would like clean the suite and make dinner and bake cookies and do laundry a deal <laughs> and it was still college so like they and they had a suite so they would throw parties all the time but every time they had a party and I would meet people I'd be like hi I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict don't give me anything other than cigarettes okay And they thought I was crazy, but (laughs) it worked. Yeah. And if I was struggling with it while people were hanging out and drinking or smoking weed or anything like that, I would go outside and call one of my friends from rehab and be like, "I'm losing it. I really want to drink." And I would just sit there and talk on the phone with someone until I decided I wasn't going to do it.
0: Well, you still do. Well, did you end up going into AA from there and having a sponsor and? And
2: stuff like that, or no? I didn't. I went to some meetings. I never found meetings that I liked. Mm. Um, AA is a great thing. The 12 steps are super important. I went through it with a therapist instead of doing it with a sponsor in the rooms. Um, like People who are sober and living in New York and Manhattan and Brooklyn are super lucky. There's... There's Amazing so many isn't meetings, yeah.
0: like, and like super specialized meetings too. Yeah. Very specific. Like a friend of mine's going through at the moment, and he's so, like he he tells me, you know, all and never mentions names or anything, but he just tells me the very. Like there's a small men's group, and then there's like a a big like liberal arts crew that, the, and he can find depending on his mood of that day, he can find the right meeting for for him, there's which is a amazing.
2: Queer artists under thirty meeting in Brooklyn. That's
0: amazing. Yeah,
2: to be able to really be with your peers and feel connected and have similar experiences. When I I decided to move upstate after being up at Bard for a little bit, um, and the meetings up there, it was a lot of old timers Mm. and they were lovely, but also I just like didn't have any connection to any of these people in their fifties and sixties. Um, and some of the meetings that I was going to that had a lot of younger people were a lot of newcomers. I was 19. Um, Whether you're 19 or 40, when you first get sober and you give up your drugs and alcohol and you're not allowed to be in relationships, things get, like, way back to high school. It's real gossipy. Oh. It's, like, lots of drama. Right. And I found myself getting too involved in that. And I was like, this isn't helping me. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't making me a better person. So... I just decided that it wasn't really for me. And if I meet people who tell me they're struggling and they need help, I first thing I say is I'm happy to go to a meeting with you. Mm. I don't think that they're a bad thing. It just wasn't something that really connected with me. And I dated people who went, you know, weekly, biweekly, every single day, you know, it was just not really like a solid part of my life and my sobriety. And in the, in early sobriety there were a lot of people who told me like you can't do this With, without it. Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of people told me I wasn't really sober without oh, wow. going it, to yeah, meetings it, yeah. and having a sponsor which I'm made sh- me angry. <laughs> I'm
0: sure rubbed it up the wrong way. Yeah.
2: Um, but the people who I still talked to from that same time have since apologized, which I appreciate so much because it was still very hard work. It was just, I chose what was best for me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is AA is the first place to start. If you have a problem, because it's a room full of people who are there to help you and support you. So if you're not going to go into rehab and you don't have resources there, AA is great because there's all these people who want to help you. They want to see your life get better. But if you're there and you start to find that it's not for you, it's okay to go see a therapist who has experience with drug and alcohol counseling and talk to them instead. Yeah. So I was living upstate. I was working in a restaurant. And just before I was dating someone who was also sober, and just before my 21st birthday, I found out he'd relapsed. Which was not great, um, and then it was my birthday, which was like not, not the most stellar twenty first birthday. I worked all day, and I was just like generally sad and like what bummed is it, out. Um,
0: sorry. What does it feel like when someone does relapse? F- it's terrible you. because
2: you care about the person, but. And this is also one of the things about AA that I really struggle with in the rooms that I've experienced. Every room's different. But a lot of times I've seen people shunned for relapsing, and that is something I really struggle with um with the rooms. Mm-hmm. So a good friend of mine years after all of this, he had been in and out of AA. And he relapsed over and over and over again. And by the time he wanted to go back, he couldn't even walk through the door because he had felt so shunned by everyone else there that he knew and he felt so embarrassed and he didn't feel welcome anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge problem. But it's... Almost like an institutional problem within the program, I think, because you're told if someone's using, you can't be around them because you're going to use. So some people take that too far and they won't talk to the person if they're using, they won't reach out to them. Everyone's different. Mm, So there's people who will say, listen, I can't hang out with you if you're going to be high but they'll still text them and call them and reach out and say, come back, come back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but I have seen that. Yeah. So how did you feel when your boyfriend relapsed? I mean, I was fucking
2: pissed. I found out from a coworker who shouldn't have told me because what's, it's what's said in the room stays in the rooms. And I wasn't in the rooms, even though I was in sobriety. And my other friends knew and didn't tell me because it was something that was said in a meeting, so they didn't want to break the anonymity, and I thought that was bullshit because him using put me at risk um so i was I was sad, I was scared, I was furious um, yeah. I wanted to get high anytime anything bad happened for like a good portion of like my early sobriety. I just wanted to get high. Yeah. That was like, my brain would be like, you want to make this feeling go away. You need to get high as shit right now.
0: And now it's your 21st birthday.
2: Yeah. So I worked a double that day and then I just went home and cried. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then a week later I found out that I was 26 and a half weeks pregnant.
0: 26 and a half weeks. What is that?
2: It's like 6 months in.
0: Holy. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah. And Did you like ha- wait, how did you I I find- told them they were lying to me. I you went at to them?
0: The, did you go to the do- is that I what went it- to Planned Parenthood. Why though? You oh feeling- so I
2: had been getting what I thought was my period. I've always had like a super light period.
0: Oh okay, right. So
2: like I was getting spotting that like was pretty similar to my normal period. I had no symptoms. I felt great. I was running every day. I had tons of energy. I never got sick during any of that time. Once I found out, I was, like, thinking back. I'm like, did I get sick at any point? Did I feel like maybe I had food poisoning? Like, have I been eating anything weird? Like, has anything been off about me? Nothing. What about nothing? your
0: stomach growth?
2: I had no stomach growth the entire pregnancy.
0: Is, this, is is there a name for this? Is this a thing or this is just how your body... This was just how my body handled
2: it. So by the time that I was nine months pregnant, I still didn't have a stomach. I went into a bar two days before I was induced into labor and got hit on by some guy because I just looked like some girl at the bar. And I was there with my sister and I was like, wow. This is just, like, the whole thing just felt so unreal. It's still, like, in my mind. I'm
0: like, this is, like, what? Wait, so you, okay, so you go to Planned Parenthood because just if, if things do, something feels a little bit off. So I finally, like,
2: didn't get my period. And I took a pregnancy oh, okay. test, and I'm like, fuck, I got pregnant. I'm probably, like, six weeks pregnant or whatever.
0: Oh. <laughs> and then you go in at six So
2: I months. go in thinking, like, all right, I'm, I'm, gonna get an abortion i'm gonna take a pill and like this is gonna be an uncomfortable couple of days and they're like we're gonna send you for an ultrasound and i was like why
1: for the listener at home can we just note chelsea is not a large woman
0: well, <laughs> you i was are- gonna ask that like maybe were you what?
1: i was a little heavier but but not, not that you wouldn't um, I don't know how this works,
2: science-wise. <laughs> so apparently the, the doctors explained to me that like this can happen. And instead of my stomach yeah, I feel, getting yeah, you bigger. It.
0: But you don't believe it. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, there's like, and literally at the time, anyone that did know what was going on, he was like, Have you seen this show? I didn't know I was pregnant. And I'm like, if one more fucking person says that to me, I swear to God, I'm gonna hit someone. And I I'm a crazy pregnant lady right now, so I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to do whatever I want right now,
0: except get high. <laughs> yeah, there's one thing. But also now you're you're pregnant, so there's two reasons, <laughs> which you know, yeah. hopefully maybe helped. I don't know.
2: <laughs> well, and like again, in early sobriety, I'm like smoking down cigarettes and like chugging coffee. Yeah. So I like had to drop that immediately, and like was in a panic that like is did I hurt
0: this. Baby. baby. Well, also you mentioned really quickly, um, that when you thought you were pregnant, you were just like, well, I'm going to get an abortion. Like, yeah. so you, that was just, that was like the,
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was still so early in my sobriety and like, I just still felt like my life was a mess and my family relationships still were not great. And I just was like, this is the right thing to do for me. Um, and then when I found out I was 26 and a half weeks along, I was like, well, I'm just going to put the baby up for adoption because that's the best thing for both me and the baby. I can't be a good parent to a child right now. So I would rather this child have good parents who are ready to be parents. Um, and I, I did have someone tell me, like, listen, I have a doctor that will – do an abortion if you want and i was like no that's i can't at this point like i i couldn't do that nine eight weeks nine weeks whatever 12 weeks in it's It's cells yeah like this was already a child
0: that um not to you know but just for more curiosity that that's extremely legal illegal to there's a certain time there's a certain time frame the cutoff, allowed is for
2: the cutoff was twenty, twenty five 25 or 26 weeks it was like just past, which is
0: why I like i was like losing oh. my mind i was like oh isn't that funny i yeah. thought it was more like only state. the state okay i thought it was like only yeah so in my mind seven weeks in my ooh. mind
2: i was just like oh my god if i had gone to the doctor two weeks ago my life could be really different <laughs> Right now. Right. Oh, my goodness. Because, I mean, being a recovering alcoholic and drug addict is real hard, but, like, this was by far the most traumatic experience in my entire life. Um, And I don't regret it at all, and it's made me the person that I am now, but it was it was the easiest and hardest decision I've ever made in my life in about 10 seconds time.
0: So it was very quick. The decision. That oh you made.
2: Yeah. like Immediately. And then
0: what were the, what were the steps? What take us through what so that I went to was Planned Parenthood. To... They sent
2: me for the ultrasound, the ultrasound tech um, at the hospital. Cause it wasn't like at Planned Parenthood um, was like, yeah, you're 26 and a half weeks along. Congrats. Do you want to know the sex of the baby? And I was like, Like my brain just exploded. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck did you just say? (laughs) So I went back to Planned Parenthood and I was like, so, uh, I'm going to give the baby up for adoption. How do I do that? Um, and they gave me some resources for adoption agencies in New York state. And so I went home and cried a lot and then, um, barely slept. And then in the morning I started making phone calls And I found a really, um, great adoption agency in New York and the woman that I spoke with was so kind and so understanding and like her job must be so fucking hard. Like there's just jobs that we don't think about in this world that are so emotionally difficult and like, God bless those people. Seriously. Had um, you made a phone call maybe, to your mom or anything, or no? <laughs> no. No. Okay. I called my dad. I told my dad. Um, we've talked about it maybe four times since then, and like in less than five minute intervals. Um, when I did get around telling my mom, uh, she was not happy with my decision. She wanted me to keep the baby. And I was like, I can't do that. She offered to keep the baby. And I said, I can't do that either. I'm really sorry, but this is just not, how did that feel? Her her saying that, um, I understood she wanted to help, but to me it was like, well, then you understand that like, I'm not going to be a part of your life. Right. Because I'm not going to be able to handle that. Like that's too much emotionally. Um, she was just really against it and again we really don't talk about it right at all Fair. um she is very religious she's catholic i'm not particularly religious um but like i know she has like masses said in my daughter's name and like prays for her and for me and i appreciate that because i know that it's coming from a place of of love and care so and she has been doing that all along, but she's only really like told me about it in the last couple of years. Mm. But our relationship's gotten a lot better in the last Strong couple of years yeah. too. So, yeah, I mean, it was weird.
0: Um, so you okay? So you call the adoption agency. So she's I call a them. Lovely that you got a lovely, person. lovely woman named yeah. Sue,
2: who I am so grateful to forever. Um, and she. Walked me through like the s- the steps and like what's next, and it was a little rushed because I was having a baby in like two and a half months. So normally it would be well, gen- like in well, most cases, you have nine months to like process the whole thing. No, and, yeah, like, yeah.
0: So they 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 normally then have more time to process to find someone, right?
2: Well, there's I mean, there's so many people looking to adopt. Like it's a crazy process. And so um, the first thing that we talked about was what type of adoption do you want to set up? Do you want it to be closed? Do you want it to
0: be open? Can you explain those just a little bit? So a
2: closed adoption would be that I would put the child up for adoption and that would be it. And that child doesn't have any right to contact me in the future uh, I don't have any right to contact them. Like, that's it. It's that's, closed. It's and there's done. no
0: age. That, that changes. There's no years. Nope. It's just lit. It's just done. So that's it. It's a closed door. You would never find out yep. who your parent is unless yeah. fate somehow yeah. came in yeah. to play.
2: I mean, you could hire, like, a PI or something. Okay. But, like, you can't go through the adoption agency to find your birth parent. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um... And then you can have an open adoption and you can even have like visitation with the child. You can have a relationship with the child, which I was like, I know I can't handle that.
0: And you could set those, like, is that customizable? Like you could sort of set what those terms are?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then like the third option, which is what I ended up doing is a semi-open adoption. So that means that her parents can contact me Um, I set everything up so that it would go through the agency before it came to me because I didn't feel like I was going to be emotionally ready to, Mm -hmm. to hear anything from them, um, for some time. And I wasn't, it was really, really, really hard. Um, the first time that I did say like, okay, I want the letter, like they send letters and pictures. Mm. So the first time that I got the letters and pictures, I like broke, and that was, probably like almost two years after I had her when I finally was like, okay, I think I'm like healthy enough to do this now. Um, and I, I was a mess. I was a disaster.
0: Was that a hard choice? The three options of which one you wanted no, to no. right No,
2: it was like really easy. I mean, for me, closed was never going to be an option. Like I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I could live with that. Yeah. Um, and open was going to be too much, so the semi-open was like, like the best, fantastic, choice for me. A yeah, middle ground. Yeah, yeah. So she can come and find me when she turns eighteen, 18 if she yeah. wants to, or if she wants to beforehand, her parents can contact me through the agency, and we can. It's set up so that we can communicate with one another. If I want to send them something, I send it to the agency. The agency will contact them and say, hey, do you want this? Right. And they don't, like, report back to me. And I've never asked, like, you know, oh, did they open that letter? Or, yeah. like, you know, it's it's up to them. And I respect the fact that they are her parents. Yeah, I'm her birth mother, and they are her parents. And I hope that she comes to find me in the future. Um and that I get to be a part of her life but that's up to her and her family. family yeah and I the and so that was like the first piece of
0: how to put a child up for adoption um and then you got three months of of carrying a, a, well, a baby and, in your belly. I mean it's nine months to toe but for you it's yeah it's three months it's three, <laughs> it's three months shortest pregnancy ever um <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
2: But so the next thing you... Well, then then it's like, well, who are the parents going to be? Yeah. And I was like, what? And they were like, we can send you a book. And I was like, a brochure.
0: You know, I just think <laughs> of the episode on Friends where Monica is trying to find... Yes. A... No, but that's what it's <laughs> but, yeah. like.
2: That's what it's like. They were like, we can send you like a book. And they sent it. And I was like looking through it. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I called Sue. And I was like... Um, Hi, I can't do this and I've told you a lot about myself and like I filled out like this whole questionnaire thing and like you know who I am as a person based off of this. Can you just pick someone who's kind of like me and has the same values that I have that are just gonna be really good parents? Like I just want her to be loved. That's all I care about. That she goes to good people who who are gonna care about her and love her. I I can't be responsible for who I just can't. Um, so that was how the family was chosen.
0: Did she then say I've chose this? Like, did you get, did you look or you were like, don't even show me. I don't want. So
2: I knew their first names and their occupations and that they live somewhere like real far upstate New York. And like, that was it. And I didn't, I didn't want to know more. I was like, that's good. Um, so I never met them. Um. And I never, I never even saw my daughter.
0: Okay, yeah. Let take us. Okay, so you, so three more months. You're, you're. I mean, now you're very aware that there is a like nearly fully formed bubble in your Oh belly. yeah, like
2: foot coming through my stomach because there was no real stomach. So yeah. I, apparently, she just squished all my organs to the side and
0: back. Yeah. No. Oh, she just found her own little spot in there. Yeah,
2: oh. but that meant that I couldn't I couldn't sit back at all. Not even just li- like a lot of pregnant women can't lay on their back because the weight will put too much pressure on your veins and your back, which mm. bring the blood back to your heart. And it can make you like woozy and you can pass out and it's dangerous. I couldn't even like recline a little bit. Like I would pass out at the doctor's office when they would like recline me back because I didn't, cause it was so much weight on oh, like. Oh wow. <laughs> Oh my <gosh. laughs> so, like, so I had to like prop myself up when I slept so that like I didn't roll over accidentally and like suffocate to death. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: Okay. Oh my gosh.
2: (laughs) It was a weird time in my life. I can laugh about it now. I used to just cry whenever I talked about it, but I've gotten a lot better about just understanding that in, in tragedy, there's a lot of humor.
0: But also it's interesting that you're like, you didn't notice at all. And then when you, then you're like, then it actually just got even more and more complicated.
2: Yeah. Within like within a month, it was like,
0: Oh fuck, I'm pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) This is real. And are you feeling any starting to feel any connection to the baby? Are you trying to like keep a bit of like a a wall between? It. Yeah. How is that going? I hated it.
2: I yelled at my stomach every day. Oh, you hated the the I mean, I was like, I just resented the whole thing. I felt like it was really, really, really unfair. Um I'd been using birth control pills and condoms. So I'm that point like zero, zero one percent, which is awesome to feel yeah. special, I guess. Um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> anyway, we can take it. <laughs> but I was just like, what the fuck? Like I have so many friends who just use the pullout method and they never get knocked up. Like this is not fair. Um. Yeah. I just, I was just angry. I was just really angry that I had to be going through it. I was really depressed and scared. And could you keep working?
0: Because oh, you- I kept
2: working. Oh, I wow. worked up until my my bosses would not let me work anymore when I was like a week or two away from my due date. They made me stop working. I was fine, but they were like, they were also like, "You've been a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you might just need a little break." um and then i took like a week off after and then i went back to work so then you, so you went
0: in to labor so
2: i had to go to the hospital to be induced okay
0: um, because of this, just how the baby was sitting she wouldn't come out
2: oh <laughs> so <laughs> they had to give me like a drip of she really was <laughs>
0: hiding in there wasn't
2: really she? <laughs> really <laughs> so they had to give me like a drip of pitocin which like induces labor Um, and I didn't want to do like an epidural or drugs or anything because I'm sober. So I was like, I'm going to do this the natural way. And, um, the pain was so bad (laughs) that I could not. anyone
0: there with you? My sister was there.
2: And before this, my sister and I had a really, really, really strained relationship, like literally up until the moment that she found out I was pregnant Yeah. and she was there for me. The whole time. I was still living upstate, and she lived on Long Island, and she was bartending at the time, and she would get out of work at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and, like, drive up to be with me for, like, her day off and, like, go to my doctor's appointments with me, and, like, she was my rock. Mm. Like, I would not have gotten through it without her. Yeah. Um. Which sucks, because we don't have a good relationship anymore. Uh. But I'm so grateful to her because I don't know what I would have done if I was alone during all of that.
0: So she uh, she saved me. It's interesting you say that about your sister. So, my sister and I, um, it's not strange or anything, but when we don't have like extremely close, like I don't just call her up to be like, how is yeah. your day? You know? <laughs> and I have this gut, I've always had this gut feeling that when we when kids come into our li- lives that some i i just have this strong feeling that that will bring us closer together and i don't know if it will i don't know but it's interesting you you, you say that, that that's sort of what brought you guys together cuz um i just have a gut feeling it, it 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 will for my sister
2: i think for us it was just that it was a disaster and my sister um She's always there for everyone when there's a disaster going um, on. Okay. She
0: has always been the protector. That's her love language. Yeah. Yeah. So if there isn't a disaster, she might not be around. Yeah. Okay, that's completely different. Yeah. So, um
2: and I and I did a lot of messed up things, especially to my sister. When I was a teenager and a young child, just my whole life. Um, (laughs) And so like, I I totally understand that she still resents a lot of that. Mm. And I really just appreciate at this point that she was able to let it go for that period of time. And that we had that time where we were able to be really close again. And I hope we can get back to it. But if not... That's okay. I still love her. The door is open if she wants to use it. You know, it's just one of those things. And I don't know. Maybe I'm going to have to have another disaster in my life to get her back. But like, I hope not. (laughs) I'm also just hoping for no more
0: disasters. Yeah. (laughs) Let's get rid of the word disaster. That's out. But, um, so you're okay. So you're induced. Yeah. So I was induced
2: and I was in horrible, horrible pain and I was throwing up constantly from the pain so they sent an anesthesiologist and they were like we have to give Give you you an epidural they were like we won't give you any like narcotics or drugs or painkillers or anything like that but if we don't do this your body's gonna give out from the pain and you're gonna have to get a c-section and i was like okay fine uh, so he had to give me like two or three rounds of it because for some reason, after the first one, I was still able to like pick up my legs and wiggle my toes. And they were like, that's weird. <laughs> and I was like, well, in case you haven't noticed, my body does weird things. things yeah. No stomach yeah. baby coming out <laughs> weird. <laughs> um, so labor itself was pretty short, um, I, I think I pushed for like a half an hour. Um, and the nurse was like, did you do Kegels? And I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't
0: been doing anything. <laughs> I've been crying for the last three months. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> yeah. So you're, okay, so you give birth and you hear a, a baby I closed my eyes as tight as I possibly could
2: because I was like, if I look at this baby, I'm not going to let her go. Um, And the one other piece of information that I had about the birth parents was that they had been through the process before and gotten a baby and the birth mother had
0: changed her mind. And in New York state, no wonder Sue chose these people. And I'm sure there's many other reasons, but sorry. Yeah. Yeah. In New York
2: state, you have um, 45 days to change your mind after the baby goes to the new parents. And um, I understand that it's a really emotional thing and they want birth parents to be able to make a good decision for themselves. But I think that law needs to be changed, like, yesterday. I don't think that that's okay, that you can give a baby to a family and take it back. After 45 days of them having a child and it being their child, I I just, and I told Sue, I was like, please let them know I am not changing Mm -hmm. my mind, like, They are. they have got to be going through so much already, too. And, like, I don't want them to be scared of that. Like, nothing is going to change my mind because this is what's right for my daughter and for me and for these people. Yeah. So, I don't want them to be scared of that. And I'm sure they still were. I'm sure they were, like, counting down the minutes until 45 days was up. So... I mean, it's it's a really crazy process and it's something people don't talk about. No. Ever? I've never heard anyone talk about being a birth
0: mother. Um I've done like a little bit of light googling. There's not much out there. So you don't have a group no. um, you know, therapy session or anything like that. No. I'm sure there's some resources out there.
2: Um but, no, it's probably been the most isolating experience in my life. Yeah. And very similarly with, with uh, me, like, telling a bunch of college kids at a, at a, like, dorm party, like, hey, I'm Chelsea. I'm a drug addict. Don't let me have any booze, please. Uh, I, like, met a guy, and I was like, so I just had a baby and put her up for adoption. <laughs> so that's me i just like put it out there um especially when it came to like dating because i was like listen i'm not gonna get attached to you for the next three months to then like trust you enough to tell you this and have you like run away because you're scared of it and think i'm like fucked up and crazy so i'm just gonna get it out of the way now and if you're not interested you can pass that's fine (laughs)
0: I just want to I, I realizing I'm keep like bringing you back to the specifics mainly because we don't hear that's fine about the joke, but but like so you've got your eyes shut yeah in the hospital room you hear the baby crying do, do you know she's a girl yet or do you find I did know she was you, a girl you yeah, you, the, you talk, the way me. you're talking about it is that you knew yeah. and then you just hear a kind of like a cry go away is that
2: yeah, they they took her out of the room, um, and then like there were a couple, of, and they told me like you can open your eyes now, okay? Because I told them like I don't want to see, see her, I don't want to hold her. Like I was very clear about like. And what I about guess, like my questions? Like,
0: is she healthy? Is everything okay? Like, or was that sort so of? So like... they
2: had taken her to like check her out. So when the nurses like left the room after I guess cleaning up some stuff, mm-hmm. um, and they came back a little later. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> you just, like, Um, and I I was just like crying Um, and then when the nurses came back in um, I you know I was like how is she okay and that was that that was my question it wasn't like is she I was like is she okay because again like i had been eating like rare hamburgers and sushi and chugging coffee and Red Bull and smoking Marlboro Reds for 26 and a half weeks and I was terrified that I unknowingly like hurt this child and they were like,
0: she's perfect. And I was like, fucking thank God. Yeah. Did you realize you were sort of like hanging on to all that sort of? Oh yeah. And I, I
2: mean like I've still had moments where I still like feel badly about it. And I'm like, I didn't know, but like, I still have this, like, I feel bad. Like I hope nothing bad happens to her because of any of that. And I just, like, tell myself that my grandma smoked Virginia Slims the entire time she was pregnant with all of, like, my mom and her siblings, and they turned out, like, all right, so.
0: (laughs) Good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so, so then you, you, so that's kind of.
2: That was, I mean, that was pretty much it. Um, Like, I had to do some paperwork the next day. So, like, they left the room.
0: And do they give you sort of like updates of like she's with the family now duh, 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 they, like,
2: they told me that the family was there like they knew i was being induced so like they uh, planned wow, on, the because was it was in the planned, hospital okay. yeah they came to like wait for her
0: um so yeah um was there anything that was sort of giving you comfort at this my sister time? Yeah. my
2: sister yeah um I'm a little bougie with food, so I didn't eat any hospital food. She was, like, going to, like, you know, our favorite spots, like, because it was where I lived up the, upstate. So she was, like, going to our favorite restaurants and, like, bringing takeout in, um, which was nice that I didn't have to eat the hospital food. Uh, we found a delicious uh, cinnamon vanilla coffee creamer in the fridge in the hospital. There was, like, a communal fridge, so you Good. could, like, have whatever. Oh we have not been able to find that coffee creamer since we've looked. Um <laughs> And I was finally allowed to have coffee again, so I was like, bring it on. I want 12 of them. Now, yeah. I was like, I want goat cheese, I want coffee, <laughs> I want all the stuff. I haven't been able to eat for the last 3 months. I want everything. Um and I wasn't in the hospital for long because I wasn't keeping the baby and I was very young. Um and I was fine, so, so no
0: damage had been done because of the uh, of how she was positioned in your nope. body. Or okay, so you're yeah. out of there. Yeah. So. What about your body though? Is pre- like my
2: boobs were huge, huge and the milk full and, of milk. Yeah. They were hurt so fucking bad for like probably like five days. It took for it to like start going down. If you don't breastfeed it just like starts it don't realize away.
0: that okay but it's like super yeah. sore yeah. yeah yeah
2: and your boobs will leak
0: yeah yeah so they just, well, your like, body is you con- very confused I'm yes basically. super confused did you feel like uh, did you feel confused as well like did, were you having i'm guessing like what's interesting for me and i know like that you that, yeah, you have just given birth to a baby. And I'm sure that there would be just natural instincts that your mind would go to and your body would go to to make sure that that baby is safe. But you don't have that baby. No, near you. no you're like, okay. No, right. but I shut it off. Shut I like off. shut my oh. brain
2: down. My sister and I ate takeout and played gin rummy. I took a shower. We went to bed. Uh, in the morning she got us more takeout. We played some more gin rummy. I finished up some paperwork and I was like, okay, let's get the fuck out of here. And not just like, let's get the fuck out of this hospital. Like I was like, I'm not going back to my apartment right now. Like bring me back to Long Island. Like I don't want to be here because that's kind of what I do is like I run away a little bit. Like I'm yeah. like, I can't be here. Um, so we drove back to Long Island and, um, I watched TV in bed for like that night, uh, and then we went to a Greek festival the next night. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> because this is how I process and deal with things is by not dealing with them for a little bit because I'm really, really emotional and sensitive naturally, and yeah, you, you gotta it, be ready, right? If I do, if I try to do it all at once, I'll just kind of break down. So I'm just, like, I'm going to just keep going, and then uh, when I get there, I'll get
0: there. So when when did you get there? Uh, it took a long time. It probably
2: took, like, at least a year. At least a year to start, like, fully dealing with everything. I mean... I'd hear a baby cry and I'd start crying my eyes out. Like it was, I was just like triggered by everything. I didn't want to be around any kids. I was like, get it away from me. And that was like, again, I just didn't want to deal with it. Um, but then I started to like talk to more people about it and be more open about it, which again, when in the beginning it was still super, I would cry telling people about it. Now I'm like, this is a thing that I've been through. And I was also, ashamed of it which I feel like is a product of our society
0: mm.
2: you what know? part of like, it
0: was
1: sh- like like
2: people thought I was a stupid young girl to get knocked up and I was like hey I was on the pill and I used condoms and shit happens and it doesn't make me stupid it doesn't make me irresponsible even though I've pretty much always been an irresponsible person (laughs) but really in this case right but that's where I was like I was so upset because that was the way it was perceived and you know I I felt proud of what I had done and also ashamed of it Mm. and you know I felt relieved but also super worried. And like I still I still like to this day, like worry that like maybe she's not gonna wanna come find me. Maybe she'll hate me for giving her up. People deal with finding out they're adopted in all different ways.
0: But did you have a moment along this way where you're like I I would like to meet her one day? I would oh, like I always to knew that. Always yeah. knew that. Okay.
2: Always. And every single thing I've done in my life since the day she's been born has been for her. I am a completely different person than I was eight years ago when she was born. And that is because I want to be the best possible version of myself. If she does come to find me,
0: if she does. Was the there a chance, switch of that though, that that happened? Like, cause you know, for the first year you are kind of like pushing it, Away and just being like, I can't... Was there a was there time where you're like, no, this is actually... I'm going I'm going to use this as a positive and I want to be there. Like, were you feeling um, a st- connection?
2: I don't remember there being like a switch.
0: I think it was always...
2: what I wanted to do. I think for that first year, I was still just like so fucked up emotionally that like I was still not able to work on things that I wanted to because I was just really overwhelmed every single day.
0: Yeah. Well, you already were going through a lot even before this happened. So yeah. it was like, yeah, and was I just mean, adding to everything.
2: I Naturally, I'm a hothead. I have a temper like you would not believe. And uh, again, one of the reasons I'm like, I understand why my sister is still mad at me I've thrown things at her. i punched her once. Like, I I was awful. Awful. Um, And, like, that was something that I probably really, really started doing work on five, six years ago. And have made, like, enormous progress in the last, like, three years where, like, now when I'm angry, I can be like, deep breath, walk away. Don't scream at anybody. I haven't thrown anything at anyone in years, guys. It's like, it's well. really good. <laughs> I know it doesn't sound great, but no. like, for me, that's progress. Again, I'm like so emotional and so sensitive and it just like, I just lash out and I've always been that way. And that's something that like, I've been working on really hard is to deal with emotional things in a healthy way and in like an earnest way so that when these really emotional things come up, I'm more prepared for it and I can deal with it healthily. I don't want to meet my daughter one day and not be emotionally healthy and prepared for how heavy of a situation that's gonna be for her and for me. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be really hard and I'm gonna cry probably a lot but I don't want to say something wrong or that I don't mean because I'm scared or frustrated or what, whatever the feeling is that I'm having. So, you know, these are all things that I've been working on for, for her, just being a better person so that, you know, if she decides she wants to come and find me, hopefully she finds someone that she really likes as a person. And and wants to be in my life in some capacity. And that's totally up to her. Um, but, like, you know, it would be cool if she had, like, a mom, a dad, and this crazy lady that she could also, like, ask
0: about mm. things. That's. And when did you first see a photo of her and, and the letter? That was, like, two years in. Probably, like,
2: it was, like, 18, 18 months, two years. It's.
0: And you, Because and you had
2: to accept that, right, to see it? Yeah, so they had been sending letters and pictures to the agency, and the agency was holding them for me. So, like, I feel like it was a good idea, but also I feel like I could have asked for, like, just maybe, like, the first one mm, would have, have been something. good. Because I got all of them at once. Yeah, okay. So they're all covered in dried tears. (laughs) Yeah. I can't
0: can't even imagine.
2: (laughs) Just going through like a stack of like letters and like photos and just. What was that? What was
0: the tone and feel of the letters?
2: They were so loving and grateful and appreciative and they love her so much and. I mean, I I couldn't be happier with the decision that I made because she has two parents who love her more than anything. She actually, uh, her cousin is adopted. So I actually do know that her parents are open with her and have talked to her about the fact that she's adopted. And she knows that, which makes me very happy that they're emotionally healthy people mm-hmm. that they can have conversations that are difficult and emotional and not just like avoid them. My family
1: is really good at avoiding
2: things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so that makes me really happy. She loves music and art and her dog more than anything. And it's, it's amazing. Cause I'm like, yeah you are my kid, even though like you're not my kid like you love music and art and your dog you're my kid you
0: know it's it's crazy um, how do you um so you 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 said sort of this word of like I'm a birth mom. yeah how would you explain how you f- feel because you know you you, you are a, a mom, right I mean you you've had a baby yeah. how do you how does that feel? I mean,
2: I say birth mom because she has a mom. Mm -hmm. I'm not her mom. I'm her birth mom or her birth mother. Um, But I still love her more than anything else in the world. I think about her every single day. And it was, I think, especially weird before I'd even seen the pictures and letters because I loved this person in the world that I'd never even seen so much. And that to me, I was just like, that's such a weird thing. Like I didn't know that existed, that you could love someone so much and not know that.
0: So yeah, it's, the whole thing's just really weird. Yeah. <laughs> And and quite, and very beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Did you write a letter back? Have you, what have you, did you, what happens there? So, um, I have a box that is full of letters
2: and birthday cards and birthday presents and photos and drawings that, uh, I still haven't. I worked up the courage or I don't know, the emotional strength. I don't really know how to say it, but to actually send, um, but it's all there. If she ever decides she wants to come find me, I I guess I feel like I don't want to send her stuff and pressure her.
0: Mm.
2: I, I want it to just be up to her. You know, I, I told her parents through the adoption agency, like, I'm not giving her up because I don't want her or because I don't love her. I'm giving her up because I want her to have a really good life. And that's how I know I'm not going to change my mind. So I want her to come find me just because she believes that. And not because I sent her a bunch of shit. <laughs> not because, like, yeah. like, here's 18 years' worth of bracelets and earrings and things I think you might like when you're an adult because I don't want to get you a baby present when you're a grown-up now.
0: <laughs> so there's one thing, um, and I want to be very respectful about what I'm about to ask because I don't think I understand the weight of maybe what I'm about to ask. But I have heard over time um, that Grace is sniffling over here in the corner. <laughs> um that you know that uh, some children who have been adopted also are wondering if their parents are looking for them or if they, uh, uh, sorry, their birth parents are wanting wanting to hear hear from them or or know them as well. Um, do you, do you sort of is that sort of what you're like? I feel comfortable with that because I I made that clear very at the start that I, so you know,
2: I I made it clear at the start and I also intend on reaching out on her 18th birthday oh, to the adoption agency and being like if Can she- you let her know if she contacts you or if she's comfortable with being contacted that if she wants to meet me I would love nothing more. Lovely. So, okay. So I there, just
0: there is that mutual um I just feel like thing that would be there.
2: Being a kid is really hard. Oh my god. Yeah. And like she's 8 right now but like I just want her to be happy yeah. and like have a really good childhood. I don't want to complicate it for her if I don't have to right now. Yeah. Being a teenager is the worst thing in the world. Like I I can't imagine. Like I had a friend who found out she was adopted when she was a teenager and she didn't find out in a great way. Yeah. And it was it was really really fucking hard for her and i even if she finds out in a really great healthy way and you know i just
0: i just want to let her have yeah.
2: her life with her fair her family like that's her family
0: i'll still be here yeah but chelsea i love that by the way that what you said around at 18 i think that's more what i was that yeah. that she would there would be some indication to her to yeah, know yeah, that yeah. you're open to it because oh, that yeah. that yeah. would be you know yeah um that. I'm sure if she's wanting to go on that journey, that would be nice to know that you're willing, you're yeah. there as well. Yeah.
2: I think it's also not sending stuff right now. I don't want to put pressure on her parents either.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think this is kind of what, in some ways, you signed up for, right? That, right. That. And I'm sure that they would be open to it, but it's just,
2: if I send a letter, they're probably going to feel
0: obligated to share it with her right so you but felt I no pressure it... when they sent you stuff that it would that that it's recipient it's not yeah, that type no. of relationship no
2: I mean I it, I know they're open to it but I just also I try to think about if I was in that situation I would be so scared oh being human is really hard. So like being any type of human is really hard. But like there's different types of hard that come with being different things as a human being. And like being a parent is really hard. You know? And being an adoptive parent must be so hard like to be afraid that she's your kid might see you as you're not my real parent. parent yeah. You know, you're not, you're not my real mom. Like, I don't want to complicate anything in their relationship. I just want to let her have her life with her family because that was the choice that I made. And when she's an adult, if she wants to come find me, great. And you'll be ready. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Is anyone
1: ever really ready no, for No, kind of they're stuff? not. I'll
0: say every parent I know... Well, my friends having babies now, they would all say that they probably needed four more years to be, you know, like you're never, this There's is not n- a thing. No one's that, that, ever yeah. ready for
2: any of this stuff. <laughs> exactly. I feel like the most emotional experiences in life, like you're just not ready. There's no possible way to be ready for them. No. Yeah. And that's kind of just how I live my life now is like, I'm just going to try and do the best I can. And, uh. There's no way to be prepared for everything. And you're so. about to
0: open your own <laughs> restaurant. It's a restaurant or cafe or what do we... It's a little bit of everything. It's, yeah, hey. it's, um,
2: it's an all-day brunch restaurant uh, as well as a bakery in one. So, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. And it's it's also a product of the person I've become because of my daughter. Because I in trying to be a better person, care more about other people and what's going on in the world. And so some of the really important things for me in starting my own business are treating people kindly and paying them well and a lot of things that don't happen super often in the restaurant world, unfortunately. Um, And just, again, just trying to do everything so that she can be proud of me.
0: That's all I want, you know. Mm. Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on, and (laughs) I'm so happy that you uh, you could go into sort of the details and the specifics and all that kind of stuff because I really do think this isn't a story we hear Mm. about at all. We hear kind of the other ones, and yeah, I can't even imagine what that would um, go through. And I really, you know. So Grace and I heard a bit, a bit, bit. uh, We tried to like stop you from telling us too much and on our coffee date because we, we, you know, we want to go with the journey with the listeners. But what, what has, what it left with me, and I, and I want to sort of ended on this was just how powerful a mother, you you know, um, a birth mother, an adopted mother, at any type of mother, you know, (laughs) even even just like a a guardian. that how strong it is inside of you that it never goes away and the instincts that are part of it and the, the purpose that it can give you and the drive. And I, it's just amazing. And it's just one angle I've never looked at it from is from a birth mother that, that gave her child up for adoption.
2: Yeah. I mean, if you had told me when I found out that this was going to be the best thing that ever happened in my life, I would have told you you were crazy. But it it really has been because it's made me a better person, a happier person, a healthier person and and it's a really weird and special connection to her that I have not knowing her but feeling really really grateful to her at the
0: same time. Mm-hmm um congratulations on the pl- grace and I, I definitely can- i love all day brunch <laughs> all day breakfast Do you have a name? Yeah. yeah oh it's uh it's gonna be called flourish bake shop and brunch Yum. Yeah. love <laughs> to flourish <laughs> um and congratulations on your sobriety Thank and getting yeah, through years. all this it's amazing i it's huge um and uh yeah if you ever want to come on again just let us know and we Thank will see you, you for brunch <laughs> thank you
2: thank you
1: Essie's Hour of Love is produced by Essie Czar, Grace Taylor and Nancy Pappas with sound editing and theme music by Jimmy Lentil always a special thanks to our guests who are willing to share their intimate stories